today and there's a person here maybe you're not completely submitted or completely surrendered and, and I would say just follow through with that desire if you have that desire that you want to be his by relationship you want to be part of that family you want him to be king by revelation that you want to have responsibilities to bow before him and enthrone him in your heart as Lord and King if that's your heart it's simple to do you just submit you just surrender Jesus wait for you? If you've never fully surrendered to his authority over your life, he is waiting for you. King David waited years for the nation of Israel to acknowledge God's hand upon his life. They eventually yielded to God and were the better for it as a nation. David served them as a great king. God's authority and sovereignty ruled over them well and they prospered under his leadership. If you haven't surrendered to God's authority yet, what are you waiting for? What are you making Jesus wait for? In today's message, Pastor Mark will spur us on to commit ourselves to the authority of Jesus Christ. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 5 with today's edition of Come Along. Our duty to Him is to bow to Him, acknowledge Him to be Lord of all, and do our best to honor Him as Savior, as our Lord, as our God, and as our King. And when you think about that, when you bow to, to somebody that is a Savior, a Lord, a God, and a King, those four things then you really have no place else to turn except for surrender. Well, where am I going to go? Where am I going to go? After all, we give an account to him, and someday we were going to, we're going to be face-to-face. Everybody's going to be face-to-face with Jesus someday. You know, there's, there's never, you know, the atheist or whatever. He's not going to be atheist when he dies because he's going to be face-to-face with Jesus. And he can tell Jesus that he doesn't believe and how upset he is, but I don't think you really get that choice. I think if you're an atheist and you come face-to-face with Jesus, it's going to be kind of like, uh-oh. What do you do then? Because it's too late. It'll be too late. And so, you know, we, we're going to give account to him someday and how we've responded to his lordship in our lives. For us as Christians, one day you're going to have to stand there and say, okay, well, this is what I've done for you. How long will your list be? Will it be, well, you know, I raised my kids. Well, hopefully. Any good parent will do that. Animals will do that. And then what else? Well, you know, um, I went to church on Sundays. What did you do with what you learned in church? Oh, what are you doing with that knowledge? Because if you just went to church to get smart so you'd have something cool to post, well, what are you doing with it in real life? And, and one of the things I was looking at, I forget the numbers, but I think it was like 52 times that Jesus talks about going out and talking to people, ministering to people, and out of those 52 times, 42 of those were done in the marketplace. Not in the synagogue or the temple, but in the marketplace. Where people worked, the marketplace is, and where people shopped is what the marketplace was. It's where God has you. Jesus ministered, and we're always like, well, I want to be like Christ. 
Okay, then cool. Out in the marketplace, at work, and in those places, then be like him. Do what he did. And so, again, we will one day give an account of how we responded to his lordship in our lives. Go, therefore, and make disciples. And so we need to understand that as well, even as Christians. Look at verse 3. It says, Therefore all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, and King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. And so after two years of struggle and civil war, all the people of Israel come to David. They anoint him king over the entire land. And again, anointing speaks of empowering the authority and the ability to do that which God has called one to do. And so this is the third time David is anointed for his office. And you might be thinking, well, why so many times? Wasn't the first time good enough? Oh, or, or the second time back there in chapter 2? Did, did these guys not read chapter 2? But why, why a third time? Well, again, the third time, the first was First Samuel 16. And remember who was present there? Samuel and his brothers, David's brothers and, and David's dad. He was anointed before his family. And this is always where the first anointing comes from. When you think about God anointing you for some type of service in your life, well, it usually happens before your family. It, if it doesn't work at home, it's not going to work at all. You know, guys who always are like, hey, I want to I do this. I want to do that. Okay, cool. Well, what, what, how are you doing this at home? You know, what would your wife and your kids say about that? Oh, man, no. Well, get it right there, your first ministry. And then, you know, maybe there's a season of growing. So if it's not working at home, it's not going to work anywhere else. And so they knew it was real. His family knew it was real. They saw Samuel pour the oil on David, but it wasn't real until, because remember what his brothers did to him still? He was just a little shepherd boy, and they probably thought, well, one of us should be it. I mean, look at us. We're better. We're bigger. We're older. We're in the army. We're tough dudes. We can be anointed king. But yet, it wasn't real until he defeated Goliath. It wasn't real until he defeated that giant thing in his life that he came face to face with. Maybe for you, you want to serve. You want to do something. But is there a giant in your life that's standing in the way that you, you're just kind of trying to walk around? You know, you always hear that saying, there's an elephant in the room. And people just throw things on it and try to make it look like a clothes rack or make it lay down. And it's a gigantic beanbag that just really stinks. There's that elephant in your life that just stinks, that sin or whatever it may be. Defeat it and let the Lord work. And so Samuel pours the oil on David. And again, it wasn't real to his brothers and his family until he defeated Goliath. The second time David's anointed was by the people of Judah, uh, just in chapter 2, verse 4. Before his tribe, and not a whole nation, but just before his tribe, his guys, his people, maybe his neighborhood, if we want to put it in modern vernacular. Why? Well, for seven and a half years, he didn't take anything into his own hands. He didn't do anything really in, in his own hands. Remember, he never really, though Saul was close to him in the cave, he didn't kill him. He just cut off a piece of his robe as he was going potty and he even felt guilty over that he didn't kill Saul when he had that opportunity he didn't kill Ishbosheth who was the king of Israel remember they're a divided nation he didn't kill him he didn't even want to see Abner killed 
Last week we read about how David mourned the death of Abner and had a couple of guys beheaded. Instead, he had faith in God and he just kind of plugged away day after day, month after year. And doing what God had called him to do. And I bet his advisors were saying, bro, dude, take control. I mean, at any time you could be king. You've been anointed. It's your spot. It's for you. Do it. But David's faithful in those little things. Just plugging along, going along, faithfully serving his tribe. He had faith that God would do what was right in due season. A lot of times we want to run ahead. We want to take matters into our own hands and try to push ourselves more forward than we really do. And we're not really, well, we really don't see the outcome. We don't carry it through to a logical conclusion. We just kind of say, well, this is what I want. This is what I'm going to do. And we run head on to it, kind of like the guy who was chasing Abner, pursuing something so hard and so fast. And yet Abner, as he's running away and saying, hey, look, bro, I'm a skilled warrior. I could kill you any moment. Just stop, quit. And yet, when he stops and tries to slow him down, the guy's running so fast, the blunt end, the back end, the part that you hold on to throw, the spear goes right through this guy and kills him. Sometimes that's us. We pursue things so hard, so fast, that those blunt things, they hurt a lot worse than a sharp instrument. Sharp instrument, if you cut yourself, you don't feel it until after the sting starts. A blunt instrument, you feel it all the way through, and it hurts. So instead, he had faith in God and plugged away day after day and month after year. And so, again, no matter who's telling you to take control, be faithful to God and just say, Lord, is this what you want me to do? Check with him first. So not in, only in family does God confirm it, but also in peers. And so they will sense what God is doing in and through whatever task God has put before you. Think about that. If you're faithful in doing those small things, God will give you bigger things is what the Bible says. So don't despise those days of small beginnings. The third thing is, the third time he's anointed is right now. The entire nation. The entire nation of Israel. So in front of his family, we saw humility and hope. In front of his bros, in front of his peers, before his tribe, we saw faithfulness. And now before the nation, we see love. Love. He mourned for Saul, and he mourned for Abner. And his enemies, well, basically, these people probably thought that when Abner was killed that David had it done because it was done by David's guys. They would assume that to be so. And so he mourns them. He he has a time of mourning. He was anointed after the people saw him as a man of grace, mercy, and love. And, And these three great attributes, if you turn to 1 Corinthians 13, are there. They're faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love are those three great attributes of of 1 Corinthians 13. And so here they're finished. The people come to David, and it's like they're saying, man, we're really kind of finished with this partial submission thing. We're, We're tired of it. We're tired of being divided. We're tired of being two kingdoms. We're tired of worrying about whether you're going to attack and and if we need to attack. We're tired of worrying about how we're going to get and how What's happening next? And so they're finished with that partial submission. They crown David king of Israel. And as they do, they acknowledge these great truths. That David is a man of faith, hope, and love. And see, these are important to our understanding of what it means for Jesus to be our king as well. Uh, Anointing, again, speaks of empowering to the authority. The ability to do that which God has called you to do. Uh, That's the definition. 
And so again, yielding control of your life totally to the rule of Jesus. So he's qualified to be our king because he died on that cross to to redeem us from our sins. And it's worth mentioning again. Look at verse 4. Verse 4 says, David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years. And in Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years and six months. In Jerusalem, he reigned 33 years over all Israel and all of Judah. So throughout Scripture, it's kind of a cool thing that I was, I was looking at this yesterday, and I just kind of caught this at the age of 30. Throughout Scripture, sometimes age 30 seems to be very significant. Joseph, if you remember Joseph, around age 30, he began his reign in Egypt as the prime minister. And the priests for the temple... Well, they couldn't begin their ministry until they were 30 years old. And then Jesus began his public ministry at the age of 30. And so now, seven years after David begins his reign, he becomes king over all Israel at the age of 30. And so here, this is a good measuring point for David's life. It's a really good measuring point for his life. Samuel anointed David when he was about 15. And he didn't take the throne until he was 30. So 15 years of his life are spent in preparation for the throne of Israel. And when you really think about the preparation that David went through, having spears chunked at him, hiding out in caves, living amongst the enemy, I mean, you know, we, we, we see a man's real life. Well, we see David going through some very real things that, you know what, you and I go through these very real things. Oh, we live in a time where sometimes life's just tough. And, and most of the time for me, it's, by my own hands. You know, it's 90% me and 10% just life. I'd like to reverse that. Uh, I'd like to just be 10% of my own problems. But sometimes I, I cause my own hurt, my own pain by taking matters into my own hands, by not stopping and going, Lord, which way do I go? What do you want me to do? And instead of just cutting a portion of a robe, sometimes I'm ready to attack and kill So the road to the throne was long and hard for David, long and hard. But when we look forward into his life, we see that it prepared him for more long and hard. Anybody in here knows as you grow, and I remember somebody asking me one time in a counseling session, it was a a gentleman, and he was probably about five or six years younger than I was, and he goes, hey, bro, does it ever get easier? And I was like, what? He was like, life. I go, no, man, it gets harder. And he goes, what do you mean? I was like, it's kind of like climbing a mountain. You start off okay, and the more steps you take, the more you realize that it really stinks. But when you get to the top, you have this amazing view of what you had just been through. You're able to look back and go, man, I conquered. I beat, and I defeated that thing just by walking one step at a time. And there were those big rocks I had to climb over and those cactuses that poked and pricked. Those things that irritated and caused me problems. And I did get hungry and thirsty. I remember one time I was, I, was, I was literally climbing a mountain. And I forgot to take food with me. I had a bunch of water. And so you start thinking, man, it's going to be awesome. I'm just going to drink water and it'll be a good workout. Well, about 45 minutes into climbing a hill, your body starts to say, hey, I need some protein. So I start looking at these squirrels thinking I could eat one raw because I had nothing to cook with. Then I thought, well, I'll probably never ever catch one because they're fast. And they had breakfast and I didn't. 
And, and, you know, you're thinking the whole time as you continue to walk, I knew I should have stopped at Waffle House. I knew I should have stopped at the gas station and bought peanuts. And then you're like, peanuts, nuts, that's what I'll eat. You know, and so you start looking at trees and you start wondering, if I chew on the bark of that tree, will I die or will it be good? Will it, what will it do? But eventually I made it to the top and I remember when I went down, and I mean, it, we're talking like a four-hour walk up and 45 minutes to get down. It, it, it was a lot easier to go down the hill. And man, when I hit that gas station, the guy must have thought I was crazy. I bought six bags of peanuts and just started eating them. I mean, my body was craving that nutrition because it was tough. And it's the same thing for us in our life. We're walking up this hill. It's a walk and we're trying to get to the mountain peak. And you hear it all the time, those little cool Christian cliches. Well, you know, there's those mountain peaks of life and, you know, yeah, they're cool. But I seem like to stay kind of in the middle of the mountain sometimes, just wandering around, traversing in a spiral up and sometimes sliding down when I hit the loose dirt. But we need spiritual nutrition, just like our bodies need physical nutrients. We need to build those muscles. And so that throne, that travel to the throne for David was long and hard, but he finally arrives there and he was crowned king over all of Israel. And so imagine the hardships that that nation would have been spared if they had bowed before David the very first time, originally, as soon as Saul died, as soon as the old king had left the scene. What about those people who would just bow the first time instead of having to go through the struggles? But let's not be too hard on these guys because I'm speaking to, to us today, to me, to you. We have those same things. We've yet, if we've yet to acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord and King in our life, well, I don't get how as tough as life is as a Christian, how people get through it by not being a Christian. I can't figure that one out. It's like, man, you just every day, how, how do you do that? Where do you find rest? Where do you find comfort? Oh, well, it's easy. I just close my eyes and go to sleep. But yeah, your problems are still there. How do you deal and some people do. They fight and they, they hang out for a long time. They do well for a very long time. And you're saved, but you're not totally surrendered to him, maybe. And he's still, that person may be still walking that hard, long road. And maybe the, the throne in your heart is not being occupied by a true king. It's being occupied by somebody that's just sitting there like an Ishbosheth, uh, put there by some great fighter, maybe yourself. Maybe you're that great fighter and you put yourself there. And so I know that we all have trouble in this area. I know I do. There are those times when I seem to say, Lord, how about telling me to sit on the throne for a while? How about that? I mean, I got it. Why don't you take a break, bro? You ever do that? Uh, I wonder how many people are saying that in their hearts today. Something like, God being my witness, I want to enthrone him in my heart and my life and declare him to be Lord of all and I want to bow at his feet and yield everything to him. I'm tired of all this warfare and I'm, I'm tired of the wasted opportunities. I'm tired of making him wait to have what is truly his and I, I want to bow. I want to bow. I, I remember in my life when that was the case before I got saved, I was like, man, I want to bow, but I don't want to bow. I want to bow, but I don't want to bow. And then I show up at a church and I hear a message and I'm like, yeah, I want to do that. I want to do that, but I didn't. It was a few days later, and I was like, man, I didn't feel any different. Still woke up, still was me, 
It was a little while. It took a while. It was like God had to change me from the inside out. And so maybe in your heart today, there's a person here, maybe you're not completely submitted or completely surrendered. And and I would say just follow through with that desire. If you have that desire that you want to be his by relationship, you want to be part of that family, you want him to be king by revelation, that you want to have a responsibility to bow before him and enthrone him in your heart as Lord and King. If that's your heart, it's simple to do. You just submit. You just surrender. See, if it's you, if that's what you want to do and you want to follow that desire, then bow before him and end the battles, end that bloodshed. And there may not be that physical bloodshed in your life, but maybe your heart bleeds and it hurts a lot. And so enthrone Jesus in your heart. And if you're not saved, realize that what he did for you, what he did for you to be your king, for what your heart needs today is a Lord and a Savior. He needs to be the ruler of your life. And those who love him and have him sitting on that throne in their lives, then obey. Look at John 14, verse 15 says, If you love me, keep my commandments. Real simple. If you love Jesus, just do what he tells you. And he says, I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. How long is forever? Forever. Kind of like that question. How much is all? It's all. If you give him all your life, because he's already given you all of his life by dying on that cross, well, it says here, all you have to do, if you love him, keep his commandments. Just obey. And so those who love Jesus, obey Jesus. Those who truly love Jesus will obey him. So maybe you're here and you're like, wow, this finally makes sense. Or it makes no sense at all. But if it makes sense, then it's awesome that God has opened your ears and tells you, then, you know, he who has ears, let him hear. You've heard. And now you make a decision. And you might say, well, I don't want to decide right now. Well, that's still a decision. And he'll honor that decision. He's not going to force himself on you, and I'm not going to force him on you. It's between you and God to make that decision, either surrender fully or surrender. If you're a Christian, surrender fully, 100%. And if you're not a Christian, uh, then just surrender. It's simple. And allow him to change you. There's nothing you have to do other than open your ears and listen and pray a prayer. It's not a magic prayer. Prayer doesn't save you. Uh, The Lord Jesus will save you. We're so glad you tuned in today to Pastor Mark's teaching here on Come Alive. Pastor Mark has been walking us through the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, unlocking the blessings, truth, and love found within its verses. We know that reading God's Word can be difficult to squeeze into your schedule sometimes, so having something to listen to instead can help. With that in mind, we'd like to let you know about our Come Alive podcast. We've made Pastor Mark's messages available to you for free so that you can take them with you on the go making hearing the Word so much more convenient. Search for Come Alive on iTunes or on Google Play and subscribe to have a notification sent to you as soon as we post new additions. Thanks again for tuning in today to Come Alive. If you'd like to learn more about this ministry and the church behind it, please visit us online at comealiveradio.com. If you're living in or near Katy, Texas, we'd also like to invite you to come see us in person at Calvary Chapel Katy. 
We are a laid-back group of Jesus followers, and we love inviting new people to come join us in seeking the Father and praising His name. Find service times and directions to our church when you visit our website, comealiveradio.com. That's all we have time for today. We pray you continue to find Jesus through His Word and in everything you do. Join us next time for another in-depth look at the Bible, right here on Come Alive.